Be Christ's Church. Impact the valley. Reach the world. All for the glory of King Jesus. Welcome to the North Roanoke Podcast. Today our student pastor, Ethan Smith, will be opening God's word for us. Our prayer is that you will encounter the living Lord as you hear his word proclaimed. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? If you have your Bibles, then go ahead and grab them. We are going to be in the book of 2 Timothy in our time together, focusing specifically on 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. If you've been in church for any amount of time, this is not going to be an unfamiliar passage for you, but I do think that it is much needed for us today. And, and one of the, the best aspects of, about, about preaching at North Roanoke, one of the reasons I love it is because I feel a, a freedom, a liberty to be able to kind of break off from the sermon series that we are going through. I, I know what the church gets as far as sermons week in and week out, and I, I believe that what the church needs is just to work through books of the Bible, line by line, word by word. And so I know that's the, the weekly diet we get at North Roanoke, and so that when I have the opportunity to preach, I don't mind deviating a little bit. I feel completely comfortable doing that. And this looked like uh, a few months ago preaching on the doctrine of, of justification. It's been several months ago now. We, we looked at that doctrine from a textual standpoint, from Romans chapter 3, then we kind of moved uh, more broadly to the Bible as a whole, and then we spent a considerable amount of time just applying that doctrine to our lives. And so today's message is, is very similar in structure to that message, if you remember it, but obviously with a different topic, as you can see on the massive screens all around you. We're going to be focusing this morning on the Bible itself, and, and specifically the Bible's sufficiency to accomplish everything God wants it to accomplish. And, and I, think, I think this is a doctrine that if you're a follower of Christ, if you've been coming to this church, I think this is a doctrine that most of us would, would nod our heads to. Right, this isn't new, like, yeah, I, I understand that. But I think what we tend to do is we intellectually check that box, and then it doesn't actually affect anything in our lives. And so what I want to do this morning is to solidify our, our trust in the Bible as the Word of God and, and show that it is sufficient and it is enough to speak authoritatively into our hearts, into our lives, in every aspect. Not just Sunday mornings. And, and again, I think for, for many of us, this is easy to say. Yes, I believe the Bible is enough, but are we actually letting the Bible speak? Are we, are we actually listening and applying what the Bible actually says? 
So these are, these are some of the questions I want to address in our time this morning. So hopefully you are in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll look at again verses 14 through 17. Hear now the word of God. Paul writes, But as for you, speaking to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So let me pray and we'll dive in. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to to gather together as your people. What a blessing that it is, and the fact that we can gather around your word, that we have your word so readily available. There are Christians all over this world right now that have very little, if any, of the Bible available, whether that's by translation or maybe it's just illegal to have a Bible. And yet we, we can gather, we can be here openly, Bibles in our lap. And so God, I, I pray that as we look at your word, talk about your word, that you would speak to our hearts and stir in us a desire to know and love your word, because in knowing and loving your word, we'll, we get to know you. And so, Spirit, I pray you would, you would speak now for the glory of Christ. And I pray this in your Son's beautiful name. Amen. So, 2 Timothy is where we are. This is Paul's letter addressing his young kind of son in the faith. And what he's doing is seeking to, to give him a confidence to persevere in the faith in the midst of, of trials and difficulties. Timothy is a, a pastor in Ephesus And he's been discipled by Paul. So Paul loves Timothy. And this is Paul's last letter to Timothy. Paul knows he's getting ready to die. This is the last letter of Paul we have in general. And so this is is the final word from Paul to his son in the faith. This is the last thing. I want you to hear this. I want to make sure you understand this. That's 2 Timothy 2. Timothy. And he says in verses 12 and 13, we didn't, we didn't read that, but in 12 and 13, he, he says that, verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While, while evil people and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And I think we can, we can look around and say, not much has changed, right? Like in our culture, we see things going from bad to worse, and we see people deceiving others away from the truth and are themselves deceived. We see more and more, and I, I don't think it's going to lessen at all, faithful Christians being persecuted, being blasted, whether in the office, social media, on the news, as, as being bigots, as being hateful. It's going to go from bad to worse. But, verse 14, which is what we started, 
This is not what Paul expects for Timothy. So Timothy will not be one of the ones that goes from bad to worse. And, and Paul has, has confidence in this, interestingly enough, because he's been brought up to know the Scripture by his mother and his grandmother, who he mentions in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy. So from his childhood, he's been acquainted with the sacred writings, which in this context is, is the Old Testament. This is so interesting to me, because there can be a, a whole host of reasons Paul could give right here. Theologically correct reasons as to why he believes Timothy's going to persevere. Timothy's going to continue in the faith, but he says, from childhood, you've been raised to know the Bible. And that acquaintance was begun, not by Paul, but by his family. And so I, I, I want to, to pause here. Parents, raise your children to be familiar with the Scripture. Raise them to know the Bible more than they know sports, than they know music, than they know TV shows, than they know movies. As parents, we, certainly include myself now, we have a God-given responsibility to teach them the Bible. Paul does not tell Timothy here, hey, I'm confident you're going to persevere because I discipled you personally, because I know what I said to you. Paul says, no, your, your mother and your grandmother raised you right. They raised you to know the Bible. And, and I, I do think, for most of us, like this is a desire we have, but we, we kind of set ourselves up for failure because we have these massive expectations. But here's the thing, this, this doesn't have to be formal, right? You don't have to be an expert. Read the Bible with your child. Pray with your child. Pray for your child. Make sure they are acquainted with the Bible. All 66 books. Raise them to treasure it. Now, I, I understand you can't believe in Christ for your child. You can't make them love it. I can't believe in Christ for your child. I can't make your child love the Bible. But what you can do is you can love it yourself and model that for them, and you can give them every single opportunity to be prepared to walk in faithfulness to Christ. And you do that by lovingly teaching them the Bible. But look what... Look what he says. Look what he tells to Timothy. He says, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. So, so Timothy is to continue in what he knows and what he has believed. And that's, that's faith in Christ, but that's also acquaintance with the Scripture. So to continue in what you know and believe, Timothy, is to continue in the Bible. Here's the thing. As you mature in Christ you never graduate away from the Bible. Like, you, you don't hit a point, like, I've been a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years, that you graduate away from the Bible and you start reading systematic theology. Like, that, that doesn't happen. We go deeper and deeper 
into the Bible. This is a lifelong endeavor because it's in the Bible that we commune with God. So as long as we have the Word of God, we're to continue in learning the Word of God because it's in the Word of God that we know the God of the Word. It's in the Bible we behold God. So continue in it. Don't ever stop your pursuit of God in the Bible. In verses 15 through 17, we, we begin to see the power of the Scripture on display. You see verse 15, how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So, so, so keep in mind here, when Paul speaks about the sacred writings, when in the next verse he's going to mention Scripture, what he has in mind is specifically the Old Testament. Though now that we have the, the closed canon, all of the Bible, the New Testament would certainly be included as being breathed out by God. But he says, reading the Old Testament well will make you wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. So if you know the Old Testament well, when you hear the gospel, everything begins to make sense. Because the Old Testament is about Jesus. Like Jesus is the point. So when Jesus shows up on the scene, you're like, oh, okay. That's what this is all about. Right? Think of it, think of it like, like working a puzzle. I like working puzzles. I haven't done one in a while, probably a decade plus, which is weird to say because I, I still feel like I'm young enough that saying a decade is like too far, but I don't think I've worked a puzzle in a decade. Plus, like, if we were to try to work a puzzle now between the dog and our toddler, like, we're not getting it done, right? There's going to be pieces that get eaten, thrown in the dog's bowl. I don't know who's going to eat it, whether it's the dog or the child. I don't know. We'll see. But either way, I do enjoy, I do enjoy puzzles. And especially, like, there's such a sense of, of accomplishment, right? Like, not like the 50-page, 50-piece puzzle, like, that you, you give the kids. Like, that's, that's no big deal. Like, if you do a thousand-piece puzzle... Like, I'm framing that thing for the wall, right? This is art. Not getting rid of that. Reading the Old Testament is like working a puzzle when you don't have the front of the box. Okay, so all the pieces are there, and you, you can begin to, to make sense of it, right? You know, this is a puzzle. We look for the edges, look for the corner pieces, and we work from there. Okay, I, I think this goes here, and you, you can kind of make sense of what's going on. But, but when Jesus comes on the scene... That's when you get the front of the box, right? That's when you see, oh, this is what it's all about. Oh, I thought this was over here, but it actually goes over here. Oh, that's what that is actually supposed to be doing. It all begins to make sense when we behold Christ. And Paul believes that knowing the Scripture prepares one for faith in Christ. If you're genuinely pursuing God in the Old Testament. That scripture is enough to see someone come to faith in Christ. Now, don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean one has to know the Old Testament to believe in Christ. In fact, Pastor Daniel, working through Acts, 
Acts 15. Like, you don't have to become a Jew in order to become a Christian. So you can share the gospel with somebody who has no idea of the Old Testament. Praise God, they can come to faith in Christ. But do you actually believe that when you share the gospel, that the word of God is sufficient to see that person come to faith in Christ? That it's not how well you tell your testimony, but you share the Bible, God can move through that. But he doesn't stop there. Not only is scripture enough to see someone saved in Christ, but do you see verses 16 and 17? It's also enough for, for living out the Christian life. Look at 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God, which as a side note, I would love to camp out on, but we don't have time. This is not the sermon for that. All scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, may be complete, equipped for every good work. We'll move to application here in a few minutes, but what I want you to see is that the Bible is enough for us to live in faithfulness to Christ in every single area of our lives. Right? It's profitable, it's beneficial for us in, in teaching, for correction, for reproof, so that I'm, I'm going down this path, the Bible says, nope, 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 you need to straighten back up. For training in righteousness, to live a life of holiness, that we might be complete, that we might be competent and equipped for, for what? Here, here's, here's where I get the aspect of every area of Christian life Scripture is sufficient for. Because we are equipped for what? For every good work. So the question is, do you actually believe this? Like, do you really believe that God has given you everything you need to live a life of faithfulness to Christ in the Bible? You don't need to look outside of the pages of Scripture to see what you're supposed to do to follow Jesus. We have the Bible. I used to, I used to watch a lot of Westerns with my dad when I was growing up. Uh, I absolutely loved them, like... Not a whole lot of Western movies, like TV shows, like Gunsmoke, Have Gun, Will Travel, um, Wanted, Dead or Alive, Steve McQueen with like the sawed-off rifle. I don't even know how that thing worked. I feel like a lot of you guys are just staring at me and have no earthly idea of what I'm talking about. But some of you know what I'm talking about. Like, these are great shows. I, I love the Westerns. Like, the sheriff always defended the town, right? The good guys always won by the end of the show. They always wore white hats. Like they had a six-shooter that shot 87 times and never needed to be reloaded once. But one, one character that inevitably showed up in, in the town, in Dodge or whatever city, is this salesman, right? He, he rolls into town and he tries to, to sell the town on this elixir, this potion, this kind of cure-all medicine. Right? It's, a, it's a mixture of snake oil and about 15 other essential oils, but it's advertised. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't say it with a straight face. It's all right. 
But it's advertised as something that would fix everything, right? Like you have an upset stomach, you, you take this oil, like your stomach's going to be fine. You're, you're starting to lose hair, you put oil on top of your head, your hair's going to grow back. Your, your roof is leaking, like you rub some on the top and the roof starts to shake up. Whatever it is, right? This oil was going to be the, the save-all, cure-all. But by the end of the show, what, what always happens is the sheriff sees this guy, understands that he's a fraud, and by the end of the episode, the sheriff defending the town runs this guy out of, out of Dodge. And, and much like the sheriff and much like the people, we are very hesitant when someone says to us, this one thing will fix all your problems. Like We're very hesitant when we're told, hey, you've got this one book, Everything you need is in that one book. We're very hesitant to that. But brothers and sisters, God is not a snake oil salesman. He, he's not. When, when God says that the word of God is sufficient, it's enough for salvation in Christ and to equip you for every good work, you can take that to the bank. God is a God of truth. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It is impossible for God to lie so that when he says, my word will equip you, it will equip you. It's exactly what we need. And our responsibility is not to critique it. It's to listen and obey. That's our role. Scripture is sufficient. What what do I mean when I say this? Uh, As simply as I can, I mean that the Bible, all 66 books of the Old and New Testament, is enough to accomplish what God intends it to accomplish, which is redemption in Christ and living in faithfulness to Christ. Everything that we need for trusting in Christ and living in obedience to him is found in the pages of sacred scripture. Everything you need. You don't need to look outside of the Bible to your favorite devotional, to your favorite author, whatever it is, you need the Bible. Every single word, sentence, chapter, book has been given to us. That includes the book of John, in First and Second Chronicles. But, but isn't that encouraging? That God has, has given us exactly what we need. No more, no less. Like we're not waiting for a new word to come. There's not going to be any new revelation from God that we're just like waiting to hear. That, how, how do I know this? How do I know that's the case? It's because... Redemption's already here in Christ. The, the point of revelation is to reveal Christ. Now that we, we know him, now that the, the canon is complete, we're not waiting for anything else. Isn't this what the author of Hebrews surely meant in Hebrews chapter 1, 1 and 2? And he writes, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days... He's spoken to us by his son. So, so 
Throughout the Old Testament, God spoke in a variety of ways, through dreams, through audibly speaking on the top of the mountain, through prophets, but now God has spoken once and for all in Christ. Redemption has been accomplished, and it's found only in Jesus. That, that's why we don't look for books like the, the Quran or the Book of Mormon. Because any addition to the Bible actually implies that what God gave us wasn't enough. And since God is a loving Father, if He did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all, why would He now withhold anything that we need? And one of the passages of Scripture that, that make this clear is Isaiah 55, 10, and 11. I love this passage. In fact, this is a, a passage I go to frequently when I prepare to preach or teach. Isaiah 55, 10, and 11 says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, here's verse 11, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. If you underline in your Bible, underline that passage. So in this one passage, this is, this is what we mean when we say that Scripture is sufficient, that God will accomplish exactly what he aims to accomplish through his word. His word will not return to him empty. It will do what he intends it to do. And, and this, is, this is crucial. The aim of the Bible, the aim of the Bible is to show us God. If you are taking notes and you want me to repeat this for you later, just, just come and find me. This is a lot. The aim of the Bible is to show us God our sinful state and inability to save ourselves, the redemption found only in the death and resurrection of the Son of God, the transformation that results in a life submitted to Him, and the future we have to look forward to with Him. That's the aim of the Bible. That's the goal of the Bible, to show us God our sinful state, our inability to, to work ourselves into heaven, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, the transformation that, that results in following Jesus, and then the eternity we get to look forward to with him. That, that's the aim of the Bible. The Bible was never intended to be exhaustive and answer any speculative question that we might have. And we can become so focused, and I certainly can include myself in this, we can become so focused on dissecting the Bible, making our, our charts, our calendars, to, to try to argue our position from a, on a thousand different topics, and oftentimes we, we miss the entire point of the Bible. If we don't see Jesus in the Bible, then we've missed the point. Jesus says Scripture is about Jesus. If our goal in our reading and studying isn't to know and commune with him, then we're missing the point. 
But oftentimes we approach the Bible like Joshua approached the commander of the Lord's army. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, so this is Moses is already gone. They're getting ready to enter the promised land. We have this interesting scene. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. Side note, that's intimidating. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. But I'm, a, I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. We approach the Bible so often on our, on our Facebook debate, right? Are, are you for me, Bible, or are you for my enemy? Are you for my political party or are you for the other one? Are you for my position or are you for my opponent's position? And the Bible says, no. We misuse and we abuse the Bible when we try to fit it into our own agenda. Our role is to read and submit, not dictate what it must say. Well, well, surely it can't say that. Even if we don't like it, we must believe and obey everything it says. That's our job. We don't get to dictate what it can or cannot say. God's word is sufficient, and it's sufficient for what it was given to do and what it was given to bring about. And as we saw earlier, this includes salvation and living in obedience to Christ. And since living in obedience to Christ covers all areas, so the Bible speaks authoritatively in every area of our lives. The issue is whether we'll submit ourselves to it or live in disobedience. That's the options. Those are the options. Obey or disobey. Take an example from something that was preached a few weeks ago regarding elders within the local church. Right, for many of us, having elders in to lead the church is, is new. It's a little bit confusing. What does this mean? Because it's not the way we've been organized in the past. It's certainly not something I've grown up with. But the question that needs to become a reflex in our hearts and in our minds is, well, what does the Bible say? Because if the Bible calls for elders to lead the church, then our job is, is not to say, well, it can't mean that. Our job is to submit. And I, I think I can speak for myself and the leaders. I'm, I think I can speak for Pastor Daniel. If you can make a case, a biblically faithful case, for your position that's more biblically faithful than our position, we will gladly believe it. Because we want to be faithful to the Word of God. Because it's sufficient even in something like structuring the church. So that's, that's the church. What about our individual lives? What about in something like fighting sin? Do you... Do we believe that, that trusting Scripture is sufficient for killing sin in our lives? Jesus sure did. <laughs> Do you remember what, what he did when Satan tempted him in the wilderness? He quoted Scripture. He believed the Bible. What about when you're, when you're fighting something like lust? 
when you're contemplating whether or not you want to click on that website. The, the fight in that moment is for pleasure either in the flesh or in God. That's the options. And do you really believe that the Bible is sufficient in that moment? Do you trust the promise of Psalm 84, 11 that says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly? That when God says that that's not something you need to be doing, he's not robbing you of anything, he's actually inviting you into more pleasure and more joy in obedience to Christ. What about when you're battling anxiety? Do you turn to the word of God? Do you, do you turn to Matthew chapter 6 and, and fight to believe that as God takes care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field that he cares far more about you than he does those? That we don't actually need to worry about tomorrow because God's already there? And we can let him take care of it? But if you're not prepared, if you're not reading your Bible, when these moments come up, they can be very overwhelming. What about in your, in your family and with your kids? Do you think the Bible is sufficient to, to tackle social media? <laughs> Do you believe that your daily teaching your kids the Bible will be used by God in the future, even if you don't see immediate results? Like, we want immediate results. I click submit on my order for Amazon, and I'm, like, looking out the window. <laughs> like, do you believe, even though you might not see immediate results, that you're laying a brick and brick and brick in your child's life, that years down the road you can step back and say, there's the house I was trying to build? Even if we don't see it. I, I have no idea whether or not Timothy's mother and grandmother got to see him be a pastor in Ephesus. I have no idea. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they did. But our priorities need to be the same as the Bible's priorities because the Bible's priorities are God's priorities. So if the Bible prioritizes something like coming to worship, not neglecting gathering together, if it, if it prioritizes being part of a church community then we cannot act as if it's optional and expect to grow as a Christian. Well, I'm, I'm going through a dry spell. I don't really feel God. Well, when's the last time you've been in church? Well, it's been a few months. Okay, well, when's the last time you opened your Bible? Well, that's, that's, been, that's been a while too. But we cannot ignore what God has said and expect to grow. And even for, for your kids, like your kids will actually see what you care about based upon your actions, not your words. So if you say church is the most important thing, and then you continually, consistently choose a golf trip, weekend away, work function, tournaments, whatever it is, then regardless of what comes out of your mouth, your kids see what's a priority. And if you let them choose whether or not they want to come to church, then don't be surprised when, they're, when they say no, and then they don't feel connected months later. Anything else that's a priority is non-negotiable. School is non-negotiable. If you have a job, work's non-negotiable. Practice is non-negotiable. Why is church optional? What about, what about entertainment? Do you allow the Bible to speak to you about what you watch, what you listen to? Are we 
let me ask this. Are we numb to the severity of sin that we see in Scripture in places like the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah and throughout the Old Testament and even the New because the sin that they're judged for we laugh at on our sitcoms? Have we inoculated ourselves to the glory of the cross of Christ because we believe more of what culture says about us than we do what the Bible says? Do we miss out as a result? Even in something like, like what it means to be a man or a woman, and I'm, I'm not even talking about gender here, just, just like masculinity. Culture says to be a man, you've got to be strong, you've got to be ripped, can't show emotion, you've got to be tough. When in Scripture, the manliest man was gentle and lowly in heart. He wept at his friend's tomb, and he willingly submitted himself even to death, even death on a cross. Even, even something like that, do we take our cues from the Bible or the picture we see around us? If we believe that the Bible is sufficient, then, then how we spend our time should, should actually reflect this. And, and what I desperately want to see in my, my own life, in my family's life, in the student ministry, in the church overall is this confidence that the Bible, a, a confidence in the Bible that that we apply it to, to daily decisions, that, that nothing is withheld because God has authority to speak over our entire lives. And the Bible speaks about all aspects, right? Maybe not explicitly, but certainly in principles. Like, what is the will of God for my life? That's a question I'm sure all of us have asked at one point. Like, what does God want me to do with my time? But the problem is we often want specifics when something like, who should I marry? What college should I go to? What job should I get? When, when the Bible is more concerned about, about who we are and whom we are pursuing in the midst of all those specifics. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Regardless of where you are, that's the will of God for your life. So, so, senior in high school, can, can you go to that particular college and be sanctified? That, that's the question. Can you go to whatever college to be sanctified? Yeah, I, I think I can. Uh, there's a good college ministry. I, I've looked up. There's a few solid local churches all around it. Uh, I'll get plugged in there. I'll meet some friends at whatever uh, ministries on campus. I, I really think I can be sanctified at this college. Great. Go for it. Well, well, hanging out with this group of friends, is that the will of God for my life? Well, what kind of friends are they? <laughs> well, they're, it's a good group, right? They, some of them go to this church, some of them don't, but they, they love Jesus, and they do genuinely want to see me grow as a Christian. Go for it. Go hang out. Or, well, they're probably not the best influences in my life. They, they do things that I probably shouldn't. I know I shouldn't as a Christian. Well, then maybe you shouldn't go hang out with them. What about this movie? Well, will that movie that you watched cause you to dwell on things that will displease God? Well, it does have a, a nude scene in it, and probably for the next two or three months, that image, whether I want it to or not, will just be put in my head. Well, then maybe you shouldn't watch it. This is a grid. <laughs> this is a filter that we need to be developing in our hearts and minds. 
Brothers and sisters, God has redeemed us in Christ, and he's given us his word that we might know, love, and obey Christ, and that others might know, love, and obey him too. And we need to immerse ourselves in the word of God. You need to be more familiar with the Bible than anything else. Maybe you, you start, you, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to commit to read the Bible in three years, or maybe two years, or maybe a year. But we need to immerse ourselves in it. God has spoken, and, and we need to listen, because everything we need for life and godliness is found in the Bible. But the question you need to ask is, do I actually believe it? And so what I'm, I'm calling us to do this morning is, is to believe that the Bible is sufficient to do what God intends it to do and to commit ourselves to giving ourselves to reading, knowing, loving, and obeying the Bible. Right? This doesn't mean we, we go off to school. It does mean that daily, as much as we're able, we're pouring over Scripture. And we're not just accumulating head knowledge. We apply it to our lives. We talk about it with our, our kids, our spouse, our church community. And we submit ourselves to the Word of God because it is sufficient. It's not always going to be easy, but it is going to be worth it. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for your Word. God, that is such a, a gift to us that we even have your Word. Lord, help us not to take it for granted. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in your word. Help us to be faithful to read, know, apply. God, we're, we're not going to be experts in it. We could spend a million lifetimes pouring over scripture and still not scratch the surface. But our goal in reading the Bible needs to be to commune with you. That you're the goal. And we want to live a faithful life to Christ. And you've called us to do that. And you've told us what we need to do in your word. God, help us to be faithful, to not pick and choose what we like or what we don't like. Help us to submit, because we're submitting to you. And that's, that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. Help us, God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the North Roanoke Podcast. You can connect with us at northroanoke.org or download our app in your device's app store. Just search for North Roanoke. We hope to meet you soon.